Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. There once was a farmer who was sad with all that he had. But one day, this farmer was given an opportunity to no longer be sad. He could obtain as much land as he ever wanted, $28 an acre. He was given this chance to be able to gain what he didn't have. He could have as much land. The one condition was this, is that he could have as much land as he could walk in one day. The catch was this, though, that he must return by the end of the day to the same place where he started. So the farmer agreed to these terms and he set out for as much land as he could get in one day. The farmer covered incredible ground. He walked a great distance finding satisfaction in how much he was going to gain in land. But after covering much ground, the farmer realized that he may have bitten off more than he could chew. The farmer worried that he had gone too far out and couldn't make it back in time panicked. The deal would fall through. He began to race the sun to slowly get back to the place that he had started after sprinting, running, and collapsing over the finish line. The land was his. The farmer had made it back. He was covered in dirt. His lungs were kneading and gasping for oxygen. There was blood seeping through the blisters in his socks, but it didn't matter. The farmer had made it, and the farmer had made it just in time to fall over and die. The farmer's servants then circled around him, and they dug him a grave. And on all the land he had just obtained, they dug him a grave that was six feet long and three feet wide. And Tolstoy, the famous 1800 writer that made this parable, titled it ironically, How Much Land Does One Man Really Need? This is the story of the farmer. But this isn't just the story of the farmer, right? This is the story of each and every one of our hearts. That if we do not accept an invitation from Jesus, can be the fate in which we experience. And today, that is why we start a series that we call Simple. You ever found yourself just really sad at some point about life? I'm not talking sad as in like you are ungrateful about what you've had in life. I'm just talking about have you ever had a moment where you just feel very dissatisfied? Like almost a moment where you've just thought to yourself, man, I thought there'd be more to this. You ever found yourself just in that place? Maybe dissatisfied with where you found this chapter in life to be. Or maybe you found yourself dissatisfied with life with God because you don't feel the same things that you did with God. Have you ever wondered what Jesus may have to say to you 
if you have felt those things before. As Drew just read for us, we get to overhear a conversation of a young man who actually encountered Jesus and was sad because of that encounter. If you haven't had the chance this morning, I'd encourage you to grab a Bible, turn to the passage that we're going to. We're going to be in Luke 18. It's actually going to be starting in verse 18. Every preacher's dream, Luke 18 and verse 18, just over and over. And it's interesting that this man that encounters Jesus, his source of sadness is all in the response that Jesus has. This young man, this young ruler comes to Jesus and he basically asks him the question of this, how do I experience what you have made me to experience? And the response of Jesus is simple, not easy but simple to this young man. Jesus' response is this, give it all away. Sell it, share it, get rid of it, do something with it. Give your possessions to the poor and then you can come and you can follow me. And the young ruler is met with sadness. As you hear Jesus say, give it all away, what emotion rolls over you? I can tell you this, when I hear this passage, sadness is not the first emotion that rolls over me, okay? If I hear this passage, quite frankly, the first thing I hear is I get a little mad. And then if I sit on a little bit further, I start to feel a little bit bad, okay? I get a little mad and then I get feeling a little bad. Let me explain it to you this way. No one told me when uh, signing up for marriage that when you sign up for marriage, you sign up for a life of being signed up for things you never thought you were going to sign up for. Can I get an amen to that? Okay, we're feeling it this morning, 830. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, at one point early on in my marriage, uh, my spouse signed us up for the uh, State Farm Drive button. Okay, I don't know if you knew about this concept. It's a horrifying concept. Here's how it works. Basically, they give you this small button as an insurance company that you stick on top of your windshield and it tracks your driving. And if you drive well, then you get discounts as you drive. Okay, the drive safe button. This button did not work for me in my life. Okay, when Carolina drove the vehicle, we saved money. When I drove the vehicle, we were in debt. Okay, I was raised by the father of a police officer. So my driving training, my driving training was very much tactical, okay? I knew how much time a yellow light will go with equal to the speed that the road is on that I'm in. I understand the concept of how to make a turn fast. I know how to make procedures that are just evasive and moving and quickly. Apparently the drive safe button did not like this style of driving. Every single time I rode in the car and I took a turn, it was like my spouse was hitting me in the shoulder and being like, costing us money. And when I hear this passage of Jesus saying over and over again to give it away, I feel like I'm riding in the car with, an, uh, with a drive safe button. 
Is Jesus talking about our money in such a way that at every turn and expense of life, Jesus is punching us in the arm and saying, you're costing me money. Money that you could be giving, money that you could be donating, money that you could be feeding someone on the other side of the world. I get angry when I hear this because it doesn't feel practical to give away all of your possessions. What am I supposed to wear? Where am I supposed to house myself? But if I listen closely, even further behind the anger, the thing that I start to feel after that is I feel bad. I feel bad because of what I have. I feel bad that I have things that other people don't have. And I also feel bad because there have been Christians who have heard this passage over the centuries that have felt a call towards a life of poverty because they took the words of Jesus so seriously. And I stand up here not even taking close to a vow of this. What does Jesus really want from each of us? And no matter if you don't find yourself a little bit mad at this or you don't feel bad at this passage, I would like to encourage you with this. It is not what Jesus is asking of us. It's not something that's as bad as you can imagine. It's just greater than anything you can imagine. So let me explain it like this. There are a couple of instances in the Gospels where interactions with Jesus like this are very similar, but the outcomes are different. So one of those examples would be like the story of Zacchaeus, who he should have some royalties for how often people are singing that song about him, a wee little man. But Zacchaeus comes to Jesus, interact. You didn't like that joke. I get that. I get that. It was a lame one. It's 830, okay? Uh, Jesus comes to Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus has made his living basically working off of taking advantage of people. It's one of the things profession. And when he encounters Jesus and wants to turn his life, Zacchaeus ends up giving over half of everything he owns. Not all of what he owns, but half of what he owns. And what does Jesus say to Zacchaeus in this moment? That he gives away more than half. He says, salvation today has reached your house. Salvation has come to your house today. So that's one instance. Zacchaeus doesn't give him everything, but still Jesus says salvation, eternal life has come to you. And then you've got another example. You've got another example of a man over in Luke 8. He comes to this, and we don't even know the man's name, but we know that he has been chained up, that he has been possessed by demons. And after Jesus heals him, this man says to Jesus, I want to make sure everything in my life is away and I want to go with you wherever you are going. And Jesus, instead of asking him to give away all of his possessions, actually gives him clothes and says, I want you to go back home and I want you to tell people about me. What's common in the Gospels when people meet Jesus is not that Jesus is asking every single person to give every single thing away. He's just asking for everyone to give away the one thing that is between them and God. And Jesus knows us so well. He knows you so well that He knows what the one thing is right now in 2022 
that is between you and God. Notice in the story, when Jesus says, I want you to give away your possessions, look at what the reason is in Luke 18, verse 22. He says, so that you can have your treasure in heaven, and then you can come and be able to follow me. In the words of Jesus, everyone in this room is lacking one thing. It's not as bad as Jesus coming to you and saying, I need you to sell everything that you got right now, including the clothes on your back, as much as Jesus is asking you, what's the one thing that gets in between you and I? And can't, someone's reading the scripture today, right now. I can hear it. It's audibly talking to us. But Jesus is coming to you, and he's asking you, what's the one thing between us right now? And can you give that thing away? Here's the thing about life with Jesus. Is that it is not a life of public comparison. But it is of a personal process with Jesus. Jesus walks with you and walks with me. And he slowly asks us to simply take one step in life. That will help us simply receive God in our life. And this is the step that we take over and over and over again. I have a friend who's not a believer that he, he thinks it's really, really mindless that Christians just keep reading the Bible over and over and over again. He's like, you already know what it says. Like you could read some diverse perspectives instead of just reading the thing just over and over and over again. He actually he jokes about it. He's like, spoiler alert, he dies. Okay. And then he shows back up. All right. What else do you need to know about it? And I love that mentality because it so reveals how some of us view reading the Bible and reading stories like this. We read Scripture to know what we may already know. But the invitation of reading Scripture is to actually read what you know for Jesus to reveal to you what you don't know. That, this is the thing. I've said this over and over again. Jesus is not Abraham Lincoln. He, that's a quote you weren't ready for, right? <laughs> Jesus isn't a dead teacher or president. Jesus is a resurrected Lord who is alive today. And the Spirit of God, His illuminating presence, comes to us through the words of Scripture. So every time you read Scripture, you hear it in a new and fresh way because Jesus speaks to you particularly in life depending on the particular circumstances that you're in. You can read the words of Jesus that says, I want you to give it all, and you can hear it one way early in your faith in life. And you can hear Jesus tell it to you in a completely different way in a different season of life. That's why we read these stories over and over and over again. Can I come back to you and your deep sadness? To that moment maybe that you've had where you felt dissatisfied or disconnected or discontent with what you've had in life? I want to point you to Luke 18, starting in verse 22. Did you catch how the man approaches Jesus? It says it like this. You know the commandments. 
You shall not commit adultery. You shall not commit murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. And his response to Jesus is all these things I have kept since I was a boy. Let's read between the lines here. Jesus says to this man, you know the commandments. This isn't a guy that's fresh off the block. This is a youth group kid, okay? He's been around it forever. He knows what this stuff's about. Jesus says, you know the commandments. And he says, all these I've kept since I was a boy. Here's in between the lines of that. Jesus is saying, you have known what it is to be with me and to follow me. And you have known for a while. Brothers and sisters, this is why I need to lay out in front of you this morning. How many of you are dissatisfied with your faith because you have known your next step with Jesus and you have refused to take it? How many of us are dissatisfied, have found ourselves stale in life because Jesus is asking you once again to give up something and you aren't giving it up? What if that's what leaves us sad? Jesus says, this is the way of eternal life. And there's a lot under the hood of him saying eternal life and age to come, and I can't do it because some of you are going to tune me out if I go into a long, in-depth study of what he means by eternal life. But it means this. It means that Jesus is saying in this moment that the age to come can happen right now. The way a Jewish ear would hear this of the day. A Jewish ear would hear it in a way of whenever heaven and earth are to come together, God would be closing down one chapter and starting a new chapter. And what Jesus is coming in and is saying is saying the new chapter, the one of possibility, the one of opportunity, the one of healing, isn't at this new chapter when this old one folds down. It's actually going to start happening in this existing chapter here. Jesus is saying to us, you have opportunity. You have a way of possibility you didn't think so. If you trust me and give something in your life away. And you don't have to do this on your own. It is actually through God that you are even able to do this in the first place. Because God has made it possible. I don't know if you've kept track of the Christian calendar, but uh, over the past week and a half, Christians all around the world have marked this time of the year to start preparing for the action of God. That God has made something possible in Jesus Christ through Easter. But Christians have always said, as we're leading up to Easter, if we don't prepare our hearts, we will not be ready for the reality and the feeling of Easter. Easter, no matter how much we crank up the praise team, if we don't get our hearts ready for Easter, we won't be ready to remember that God has done something in Jesus Christ and God is doing something in your life right now because of Jesus Christ. We have to feel the inner reality and that starts with also the outer reality. Christians have called this time, this time on the calendar we're in right now, Christians over centuries have called it the spring cleaning of the soul. Why have they called it that? 
because most of you treat your lives like your garage or that drunk drawer that you pretend like you don't have that's in your kitchen. Or like, that. I'm just stressed out. I'm stressed at looking at this this morning. Many of us treat our spiritual lives like how this stage is right now. All throughout the year, you gain things in your life. You gain drama. You gain unhealthy habits. You gain social wounds. You gain financial commitments you should have never started. Some of us gain obsessions. We get hooked on things that aren't even the main things in life. And what Jesus followers have told us time and time again is that every year you must go through a process of spring cleaning your soul to remember that God is working in your life. Simplify your life so you can simply receive God in Easter. And that's why we're starting the simple series today. It's going to lead us all the way up to Easter. Each week, I'm going to bring you something that is about simplifying your life so you can get prepared to hear the simple whisper of Jesus because Jesus is asking each and every one of us to give something away. But you have to be able to to hear him. Here's how one spiritual director has put it. In this season of life, we intentionally arrange our inner world on God by first simplifying our outer world. If you ever get in conversations with Christians where you're like, man, I just, I just don't know much. I'm just, I'm, I'm just trying to live my best life out here. I'm just trying to have a good like life. I'm trying to do whatever God wants me to do. The best news is this is that Jesus is extremely practical. If you have no idea where to even start thinking about your inner world and life, Jesus says, that's completely fine. Let's start with your outer life, and you will quickly find what you need to work on in your inner life. Right? If I told you to give away that item that you care extremely about, and all of a sudden you're like, I'm not giving that thing up. Great. That's the place we need to start. Right there. And this gets extremely practical. And it's really practical for us in our season of life as well, as far as a church. Now, if you haven't been around Rock before, uh, we are going to start preparing not only for Easter, but we're also going to start preparing for an event we have every year, which we call... Yeah, all right. I I was wondering if we were going to get that. ShareFest. Here's the basic description of ShareFest. We want to love our community, so we share our stuff with our community. That's what we do. Every year we clear out all of the chairs that are in here. We bring all of our different items and then we open up the doors of the community and we just say, take it. We're giving it. We're distributing it. We're doing that. It's one of the ways that we love our community. And here's the thing. This is something that if you say, hey, I'm a part of this church, this is something you should participate in. Here's why. Because early Christians used to have this saying that they would say this. That second coat that's hanging in your closet is not your coat. That is your neighbor's coat. And why we do ShareFest is this is our modern day expression of doing what Christians have done all of their lives. Is we need constantly to evaluate what are the things that we have and what are the things that we can give away. And this is our way of doing it. So here's the challenge that I want to give. And this is going to get at where I'm going for the end of this sermon. 
We need you to share stuff with us so we can share it with the community. But I want to take it just a little bit further this year, all right? For some of you, this is going to be gasping. For others of you, you're like, bring it on, I can do this, all right? For each day of this series leading up to Easter, you got to hear me really close. For each day leading up to Easter, we want you to take inventory of everything that's in your home. And we want you to give away one item every single day. Let me do the math for you. There are 36 days leading up to Easter. We want you to give at least 36 items away. And here's the thing. I've already started praying about this. Staff and I have already been talking about this. Like, we're not talking like we want you to give away something like a kitchen utensil. Okay, those are good. We're not just talking about hangers. Like, we love, Susie, don't we love hangers? Hangers are good, too. We need the... Here's what I'm praying for. I'm praying that someone's going to give away a trampoline. I don't know. I'm just feeling it. Like, I think we should give away trampolines. I want to see us give away things that are meaningful. I I want us to give away North Face jackets. I want us to give away big items. I'm talking furniture. Like, we should evaluate and ask ourselves, what is something that we can give away that can make someone else's life Better. So for the next three weeks leading up to ShareFest, we want to ask that you bring items that we can share with our community. And then for the last three weeks, we're just asking that you either give it away, you donate it to a serving center, you recycle it, or you just discard it. Okay? To all the hoarders out there, I'm so sorry for this message today. I know this is a hard one. But this is the ask. The ask is over 36 items in the next 36 days. Okay? That is the ask. You can organize this how you want. If you're the type of person that's like, I want to knock out seven items in one day and I'll just call that a week, great. If you want to look around and every single day you choose one item, you do that as well. 36 items in 36 days. That's what we're going for with this. The good news is this, is that in preparing for Easter, if you're like, I got no idea, the best practical way is start with your outer world. And it will start giving you invitations for Jesus to work on your inner world. That's what we're doing with this series of Simple. It's a time to hear the invitation of Jesus because we all lack one thing. And the giving of our things helps us start to give away things that we didn't even realize internally and externally we need to do. So let me finish you with this thought today. Uh, in a moment, I'm going to ask uh, one of our elders uh, to come up and bless us for the day. Uh, I, I want to remind us of one of the lines that I've heard from uh, a follower over in London. Uh, his name is Jason Lee, who has been saying this over and over again. I think we need to hear this today. He says it like this. The story you live in is the story that you're going to live out. And here's the reality that needs to be called Many of us who are living in America right now, most of us sitting in these seats, we are in the top 5% of richest people in the world. We live in a story that is like the story of the farmer. Your job all throughout life is to accumulate, 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 and make sure that you've played the chips well, that at the end of retirement, you have everything that you need. That's the story that we live in constantly. That's not the story that Jesus tells us. It's actually been recorded in Luke that 25% of all of Jesus' teachings in Luke are about money. Imagine if I got up here every four weeks and talked about your bank account. 
you would tell me to give it a rest. The story that we live in is a story where the Bible starts out and it says that God blessed you as humanity and that he said that you need to go out and you need to bless the world. That he said you should fill the earth and you should subdue it. And then what's he say in Genesis 1.28 right after that? He says, and rule over it. Brothers and sisters, we need to be reminded this morning, we are rulers. We rule under God's rule. And we need to be reminded that we are rich rulers. And many of us are handling ourselves like rich young rulers. And anytime Jesus encounters a rich young ruler, he says to him, you need to give away. You need to give it. Jesus came. He gave us absolutely everything we needed. He gave to us what we needed in presence. He gave to us what we needed in forgiveness. He gave to us the teachings. And at the end of his life, he ended up giving his life for each of us. We give in return to that. Because the reality that Christians remember that I have to remind us today is that each of us are slowly heading towards our own death. You're heading towards death. I'm heading towards death. In each moment in our lives that we give something away, we are practicing and preparing for our death. That one day God will ask you, to give it all. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to practice and be ready for that. The invitation is simple. If you haven't given your life to God today, you can come meet me over here on this side and we can talk about what that means. If you're already life in God and Christ, give something away from your life. It's very simple. Give your life over to God or give God something from your life. It's simple. Mark, would you mind coming up? I'll pray for us. Uh, God, even just now, I got, I got a little heated just, just thinking about how convicting, but how hard your call is to life with you. God, I'm praying for the next couple of weeks. Can you just poke at our hearts? Can you help someone in here this morning that feels just dissatisfied and sad about life. Jesus, can you help us hear how you are asking us to take the next step in our life because we'll experience something that we're not experiencing right now. Jesus, help us to trust you with that. God, I pray for the next couple of weeks, may we be a church that is a giving church. God, I pray for the time of ShareFest. May people be able to see and know that we've been given so much because we are giving so much. God, may that be our posture as a church. May it be so. In Jesus' name.